0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
2: Welcome to the one o'clock hour of Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We're knocking on Halloween's door. I'm getting excited. As I look outside, I can see the changing color of the leaves. You can tell, you can tell there's a crispness to the air outside. And tomorrow night, young people all around this great state are going to go out and trick-or-treat and we're going to remind ourselves, of course, we've got to do it all under the umbrella of COVID safety. You know, be be cautious. Halloween masks, you know, Halloween masks on their own are not sufficient to prevent the spread or contraction of that disease. you got to add yourself a, an extra mask on there if uh, a mask is part of your Halloween costume. Anyway, uh, we'll touch on some of that later on. We've got some spooky stories to tell as the show wraps up today. But right now, uh, I want to talk to you about Walmart. And not only Walmart, but stores across the country, which are looking out at the landscape of our nation, in particular Philadelphia right now, which is seeing uh, riots and looting. And knowing that next week, once Election Day rolls around, there is a chance of more of that there's a chance it could spread. Now, it's kind of one of those chicken-or-the-egg type scenarios. As I read through these headlines, they are all precautionary. The moves being taken or the moves being made uh, by places like Walmart to uh, safeguard their locations uh, against uh, some of the danger posed by would-be looters, you wonder if those precautions in and of themselves somehow rile up the looters. I don't know. What I do know is that there are stores, and they are doing things now to get ready for the worst come Tuesday. What's Walmart doing? Walmart has decided to remove guns and ammunition from the display shelves of their stores. Why? Well, the thought is this, that once and if the looters bust down the door, make their way inside, that having guns and ammunition on display would make them, for lack of a better term, easy targets, and then able to be used You know, however the looter may decide to use a weapon and its ammunition. I'm always leery of decisions that Walmart makes regarding firearms. Whenever I see Walmart and guns uh, together in a headline, you, you know me, I'm a I'm a Second Amendment enthusiast. I uh, am a supporter of firearms as a as a hobby. I understand the, uh, the the even more deep implications of the Second Amendment and I hold those truths dear myself and will always defend the Second Amendment. In fact, if you can remember all the way back, it was uh, more than a year ago now when I was auditioning for this job. One of the conversations we had on that day was a decision made by Walmart uh, in the arena of guns to pull from their shelves uh, handgun ammunition. Yeah, early September of last year, Walmart stopped selling handgun ammunition. And I was all up in arms about that. I thought, oh my gosh, how can they do that? So many Walmart shoppers are also uh, Second Amendment enthusiasts who uh, who would likely turn to Walmart as a source for handgun ammunition, for personal protection and target shooting, or whatever. Whatever you're going to do with your handgun. That was my reaction then. My reaction today is much different. Now, Walmart's not taking... You can still purchase firearms and ammunition from Walmart, you know, except, of course, handgun ammunition, but you can purchase it at Walmart. You just have to you know, talk to one of the associates there and say, hey, I'd like to maybe get my hands on this, and you go through whatever uh, paperwork you have to do depending on where you live, and you are uh, off to the races. But imagine, imagine the United States of America, a place where on the eve of its election, a process which has been, Uh, tested countless times throughout its history, is at a point now where a store like Walmart is nervous that the firearms it has on its display shelves, which are locked away, they're behind lock and key. But the fear is so great that someone upset over election night results or just riled up for whatever reason may burst down the door, storm the gates, make their way back to the sporting goods section, bust that glass, grab themselves a firearm, Remove the remove the trigger guard. If you, if you go to Walmart, uh, I, think, I think all the guns on display have trigger guards. So uh, they'd remove the trigger guard, get their hands on the uh, appropriate ammunition, uh, load it up, and be an even greater threat. It's a heartbreaking thing. Anyway, here is a, a report I want to share with you from ABC Channel 5. This comes from Arkansas. Why Arkansas? Well, it's the home state of Walmart. That is where uh, Walmart uh, calls home.
0: Back in June, Walmart removed firearms from their shelves in the wake of George Floyd's death and the unrest that happened nationally afterwards, this time around the action, which has already happened here at the Walmart in Alma, like customers to believe it was because of the upcoming election. But Walmart officials say it has to do with recent unrests in Philadelphia.
2: Yeah. Uh, and as you heard there in the report, this has been done before. Uh, after the shooting in El Paso, Texas, uh, Walmart last year stopped selling ammunition for uh, semi-automatic rifles and handguns. That's the, uh, that's the story that, that, that got me a bit upset. But uh, one thing they did, uh, which is similar to uh, what they are doing now, is just this June uh, during the George Floyd protest, Walmart did a similar thing. It, it somehow evaded me. I didn't know that that had happened, uh, but it, it's, uh, it's not unprecedented. Um, and 20 years ago, Twenty years ago, think back. Twenty plus years ago, they were selling handguns. They stopped that uh, twenty years ago in every state except for Alaska. And then it was Alaska last year that, uh, during that, uh, during uh, following the uh, the shooting in El Paso, Texas, that Alaska also ceased selling uh, handguns. Now, why do they do this? Uh, what is the fear that uh, that they have? Well, we've been over it, and it's a heartbreaking thing. And they are not the only business to be taking action like that. You can comb the streets of any major city across the country right now and see businesses that are preemptively boarding up their windows. Hmm. We're going to take a break in a moment. And when we return, we'll be speaking with a Brigham Young University professor, Richard Davis. He's been a guest on this program before. Uh, looking forward to a conversation with him again. A teacher, a professor of political science, and we'll talk about is the fear of violence after election day. Is it an overblown fear? Are the fears held by Walmart and other establishments are they legitimate? Are they are the concerns that you and I may have? Are they legitimate? And uh, what does it say about us? And how does it compare to our history? Looking backwards. I feel often is a good indicator of what we can expect uh, moving forward. Not always, uh, but there are times when when that is the case. Before we go to break, though, uh, I do have some breaking news, and it is... Uh, the latest case counts from the Utah Department of Health. They have revealed the new number of Utahns to come down positive with the coronavirus, and it is a record number. 2,292 Utahns since yesterday have tested positive for the coronavirus. That brings the seven-day rolling average of positive tests up to 1,622, and the rolling seven-day average for a percent of positive lab tests stands now at 18.1%. 318 Utahns are in the hospital right now suffering from COVID-19. And the number of Utahns to have lost their lives, three. Three more than yesterday. Uh, With this uh, alert from the Department of Health, there's a statement from the governor. I'll read that to you now, then we'll take a break and return with Professor Davis. Governor Herbert says, while it is true that Utah's COVID-19 mortality rate is substantially lower than the national rate, we must not become numb to what these numbers mean for our communities, for those infected, for everyone who loves them. Assuming a 5% hospitalization rate and a 0.5% fatality rate, we would see 115 hospitalizations and 11 deaths from just from the nearly 2,300 cases we are announcing today. This will cause increasing strain on our already overworked medical professionals and leave even more families with an empty chair at their dinner table. And that is to say nothing of the long-term effects many more of these UTons will face, even as they recover. We cannot be too cautious in our efforts to limit the spread of COVID-19. That the statement from the governor on a day in which we set an unfortunate record, and that is 2,292 additional UTons. Uh, have tested positive for the coronavirus. Quick break when we return, Professor Davis talking about the possible violence and the fear of violence on Election Day. Is it overblown? Ask yourself that. We'll discuss it next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. One of the fascinating things about talk radio and radio in general is that stories can change in an instant. And that you can be right in the middle of describing a story, a circumstance, and those that story and those circumstances can in an instant change. In the last segment, uh, you and I spent a few minutes talking about a decision which has been made, which had been made, by Walmart to pull from its shelves guns and ammunition nationwide ahead of the election. Instructions were given to uh, to all managers to to make that move. And now, and this is no joke, as... As you and I were having that conversation, a decision was handed down from Walmart, uh, from a company spokesman, which says the the following. It says, as the current incidents have remained geographically isolated, we have made the decision to begin returning these products to the sales floor today. So you think about uh, some of the images you have seen on television in Pennsylvania and elsewhere uh, those are the threats that moved uh, that moved Walmart to make this decision and seeing that that type of behavior is not something taking place uh, around the country i can only suppose that Walmart thought ah, you know what maybe maybe we don't need to go that far and so the, the update is here, and I uh, would like to thank uh, both the texter and all of our news sources here uh, to give me that update, that the the decision by Walmart uh, will be geographically specific. Where there are clear and present threats, uh, they will be taking guns and ammo off the shelves. Elsewhere, though, where, where folks are well-behaved, uh, stays up there, uh, and you are able to make your purchases as normal. Okay, uh, there was a conversation I overheard yesterday between... Uh, KSL news radio reporter Kelly Pierce uh, and uh, a good friend of the program, Brigham Young University political science professor Richard Davis, which asks the very, very basic question, and it dovetails off the conversation we just concluded here. Is the fear of violence after election day overblown? Uh, and so I'll put that question to the professor. Professor Davis, it, it, are, are talks of violence after the election overblown here in this country?
3: Well, historically, we have had very little election-related violence, um, and that's because we tend to be uh, sort of more moderate and less passionate as a public. Um, yeah, you know, it's true that there has been a, a, a year of uh, more protest and, in some cases, violence that raises these concerns, but but I think the likelihood is, is very small that this would be anything more than some isolated incidents uh in in various parts of the country no i i i, th- I think that it probably is overblown there isn't going to be a, some sort of you know a, a mass uh act of, of acts of violence uh as a result of this election i mean clearly how the participants react to it uh, and we're talking more of the aftermath than the day of right uh has an impact but um uh, But you know, I think when it comes down to it, that uh, even though you know Donald Trump has made uh, statements that he thinks the election is rigged, et cetera, I think when it really comes down to it, that um, if he loses, uh, he's he he is going to accept the results and and urge others to to do so. So uh, yeah, I do think they're overblown.
2: That's my that's my both prediction and view as well. I have much more confidence in us as Americans at large than I think many of those who uh, see. You know, real violence on the horizon coming after Election Day. Talk to us about how about history, though. Have we have we ever seen anything you know that that you know that required buildings to or businesses to board up their windows following elections here in this country?
3: No, no, that's really been a feature of the United States, which, which you know we should all applaud that we we have been able to conduct very peaceful elections. Um, uh you know the, the the civil war was probably the most uh, uh difficult uh, in terms of this this issue uh, uh in in the case of the south and uh of, of voting uh um, efforts by by blacks to uh, to vote yeah yeah some of that but really we've been we've been quite blessed and and our uh, avoidance of the very things that we see happen so often around the world and other countries and I, I just don't I don't think that is going to end uh, in this election. I mean I, I do worry about the political polarization that's going on and how much people are thinking about the other side, those they disagree with as somehow you know evil um, but to to take that stance and lead to actual, Violence against those people—that—that that has not been part of our American history, and I, I, I see it as as, you know, very very infinitesimal, uh, if indeed some of those things actually happen.
2: We're speaking with Brigham Young University political science professor Richard Davis, uh, talking about you know the, the notion of uh, violence after election day. Uh, it is our shared opinion that uh, that many of the claims are overblown. Uh, but let me ask you this: <clears throat> Have You mentioned that there is a polarized atmosphere and attitude among Americans right now and that those of one side have a view of the other side as as evil. Now, is that is that something that we have seen throughout history or are we facing unique polarization today?
3: Uh, We have seen it at times. I mean, I I mentioned the Civil War. Uh, as a time where that was clearly the case. I mean, they, even at the time, even early up in the 1800s, there there was some very vicious attacks going on between the the, the, the two major parties and their candidates. But um, what 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 we've seen, what political scientists are finding, is that what's interesting and, and I think different is that people are thinking more about how much they dislike the other side and 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 wouldn't support that candidate, then then they support their own side. So what what that boils down to is that people will say uh, if they're you know some Republicans will say, you know, I I hate the Democrats and uh, they're evil. Uh, Or Democrats might say that to Republicans more so than they say, I'm really connected to my own party. That's kind of a scary thought. Um, I don't again, I don't think it's going to lead to violence, but uh, but it, it does mean that that we see the other side. Uh, in a very negative way um, that probably will eventually lead to even more polarization and, and, and more uh, and distaste for each other. And, and that's, a, that's sort of a civil war, but it's not a, necessarily a violent civil war, but it's right. still a civil war going on between these two sides that, that really is unhealthy uh, and is, I think, new for us.
2: Does it does it paralyze progress? Do we find ourselves if continuing down this path, uh, you know, short of violence? Does do we enter into an era of paralysis?
3: Well, yes, I think I think we we're probably there. You know, with, for example, uh, former Senator Harry Reid uh, said that. Um, if Joe Biden becomes president, you should give the Republicans in Congress three weeks to get along with him. And if they don't do that, then the Senate should end the filibuster. I mean, that's basically saying I'm going to give you three weeks and I'm going to give you a very short time frame to to work with me. And after that, we're just going to declare war against each other. Uh, that's you know, and I think we could we could. That, that's an indication that, that he worries that the Republicans aren't going to go along. And certainly during the Trump administration, the, the Trump administration's out there about the Democrats. So, y- y- yes, I think that uh, it's actually hurting the way in which government operates when these two sides are, are, are unwilling to work with each other.
2: There are there are bits of legislation and in uh, governmental movements that make headlines that, uh, you know, folks like me talk about ad nauseum. Uh, but then at the same time, there are the majority of of bills which make their way through Congress do end up enjoying bipartisan support. Those don't get too much coverage because uh, well frankly, some of them are pretty boring uh, and pretty specific right.
3: could could <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs>
2: Could, do, do you foresee a scenario in which the division trickles down and impacts that type of operation because I have a uh, former Hill staffer, I kept my eyes on on those types of uh, legislation pieces and those mm-hmm. the, I, ne- I never saw too much uh, too much trouble for those, but could it get that bad?
3: Well, uh, probably not. I think for example, when it comes to something related to to Utah, uh, you're going to see, you know, the Democratic member of Congress, Ben McAdams, working with the Republican members of Congress for a very uh, specific kind of uh, a benefit for the state. Um, it, it's really when we're talking about uh, issues that uh, divide us uh, ideologically that they're they're not willing to find some compromise on those issues. But but those are you know those those are the major issues, the ones that affect. Most Americans, those are the ones that we can't have uh, unresolved.
2: Right. Right. Uh, professor Davis, thank you so much for your time. Again, Richard Davis, Brigham Young University political science professor, uh, guest on the program, talking about uh, Election Day and fears uh, of violence and how they may be overblown. Thank you for the conversation.
3: Thank you. Take care. Thank you.
1: I'm Dave Colley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold.